0: The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Good to see all of you. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and so he went to the Pharisee's house and, and reclined at the table. By the way, wouldn't you like to eat dinner that way? Just shovel it in. Just, you know, laying on the table and just roll it in. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and then wipe them with her hair, kiss them, and poured perfume on them. So the most expensive gift that she could imagine, you know, just... What can I do for somebody who's, who's done so much for me? And what she had was her, um, the, the scented oil, probably the perfume thing that she would use that would make business better for her. So when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, Wow, if, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she's a sinner. Which ironically, that's exactly what Jesus knew about her, Right? So Jesus answered, Hey, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. And neither had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon replied, Well, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt canceled. Well, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. And when he turned towards the woman, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your house, you, you didn't give me any water for my feet. She has, uh, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. But this woman, for the first time I've been to her, has not stopped kissing my feet. You, you did not put oil on my head. She has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now the other guests began to say among themselves, gosh, who is this? What arrogance, what an what egomaniacal, you know, person that would say, oh, I forgive your sins, right? Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, uh, go in peace. So we're looking at generosity this morning and talking about it. And, you know, generosity, the opposite of greed, comes from fear. Uh, Never is satisfied Greed Um, Greed um, You never feel safe You never feel secure um, Because it's it's born out of fear And um, since it's the opposite of generosity Let me talk about what it What the opposite is To help us maybe appreciate what generosity is Maybe expand that idea It, It makes us hard I think It makes us hard so that Very little can penetrate in And very little is coming in That's worthwhile and good and healthy I can tell you for sure, you're not giving out anything that's good and healthy, right? So if you think of yourself as maybe as a bucket being filled, um, it, it, you know, you're, you're just leaking. You're not able to retain what's good and healthy, and so what you're giving out to others is also not going to be good and healthy. Now you may have the intention of wanting to be a healthy, good person. You may have, want to have the intention to impact people in a beneficial way, but your impact is going to be different than your intention because. There's a level of greed and fear that's, that's just hard. And it, it, it has very little to do with money. It has very little to do with how much money you have. Uh, I remember my mom, when we were little, uh, she was a sergeant. We used to, in fact, behind her back, because um, we weren't stupid enough to say it in front of her face, uh, we would call her Sergeant Martinez. On Saturday mornings, she would come into our rooms, and she specifically bought plaid bed covers so that they would have to line up. Now, it was everything short of bouncing the quarter off of it, you know. And if they weren't made right, you know, she would, you know, tear off the sheets, do it over, dump our drawers, you know. Maybe answering a lot of questions for you as to why I am the way I am. Uh, But one thing she also instilled in us is the idea of being clean and orderly, you know. And she used to say, you know, being poor is no excuse for being dirty, and I would say, well, it makes it easier, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> it facilitates it, doesn't it? Whoosh, you know. <laughs> I can't say anything around here. And, um, and so it, it's not a... So uh, g- greed is not a level of how much money you have or don't have. Folks who have very little resources can be, quote, greedy, and folks that have a lot can be greedy. But so is the opposite, true. Folks that have much um, can be very generous And folks that have very little calls can be generous. It's not a matter of what's on the balance sheet. It's a perspective. And it has sometimes very little to do with actual dollars or your checkbook. It really has to do with, again, your perspective, who you are and what you have, what you have to give. I also uh, am convinced of what I've seen in my life and the lives of other people, that people who are greedy tend to uh, uh, stop growing. You, know, you may be talented in one way. Uh, if you're a salesperson, you probably can still be a good salesperson. If you're a graphic artist, you can be a good graphic artist. If you drive for a living, you can be a good driver. But if, you're, if we're looking at something maybe more intangible in terms of growth and progress and transformation, uh, uh, greed has a way of just you know, just putting the brakes on that. There's a limit to what you'll experience and what others will experience from you. And I think that's the worst part of it. When, when we're not healthy... You know, no man is an island, no man dies alone, right? You, you, we, all of us, impact and influence other people. And so there's, there's uh, absolutely no way for us to not impact people with who we are. And we impact people with what we are. You know, so if, if you're you know you know if you're a parent, that ought to make you shudder, like as it did me when I realized, oh my gosh, you have to have a license to own a dog, but anybody can have a child. You know, and uh, uh, I remember when at, at Kaiser Bellflower, when my wife and I were driving away, they gave us David, and I remember thinking, wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just gave us a human being. Do they know who we are? You know, and so we put him outside on paper and thought, you know. <laughs> But, but see, but, but, but gratitude, and, and, and which leads to generosity, and that's the, you know, it's, it's, it's God's kindness. Well let, well, let me say it in, in Gs. God, grace, gratitude, generosity. Right? God, grace, gratitude, generosity. But when you experience God's kindness, when you experience him love you in, in your worst moment, not in your okay moments, not in your I'm pretty nice moments, but, I mean, the, the stuff when you're really embarrassed about when you experience him move that way towards you or you move him, he moves towards you and he doesn't wince or pull back and you experience his kindness, that leads to a grateful heart, a grateful person. And a grateful person will, will generally always be generous. Why? Because I've received so much. So when grace and gratitude blend, you know, they, they form a really kind of a new thing, which is a generous human being. We're, we're not, look, you remember a couple weeks ago when I said, you know, one of the biggest freedoms I had was, was looking in the mirror, straight in the eyes, without of flinching, and said, Octavio, you are an idiot. You've always been an idiot. You will die an idiot. But thank goodness you have a redeemer and a savior who will overcome your idiocy, you know. I know we sometimes fool ourselves into thinking as we get older, we get wiser. We do. You should, you know, get some things right. As a follower of Christ, there should be some transformation that occurs. But let's face it, in the end, absent of that, we're idiots. But thank goodness God is a redeemer and a restorer and a savior. Generosity. Generosity. When you, when you when you experience somebody who's generous and kind and warm, you, you know those kind of people, like when you walk in, it's like coming into a, walking into a, let's say a cardigan sweater, walking into like your favorite, it's like a cardigan, walking into your favorite old coat, walking into a blankie. You know, it's, it's like they're just, you just feel safe and, and, and warm and there's nothing tainted about their embrace or their kindness or whatever they do. You know, they just seem to be giving people. I recall um, briefly being in, uh, when I was in India, a couple of the <clears throat> uh, folks uh, whose homes we were visiting and, and uh, connecting with and praying for and just chatting with. And uh, and the level of generosity in that midst of that, you know, mind-numbing poverty was amazing, was humbling. They make the tea, they bring out their best little cookie or fruit, and, and you know, and for them, it, it's an act of, kindness and generosity to give and, and, and you know, to, to you, the person that they're hosting. Um, I understand that that person is not thinking in terms of, well, I better save this. Don't know if I might be hungry later or tomorrow. Um, it's amazing to experience generosity from other people when it seems like they have so little, doesn't it? And I'm wondering, gosh, how did, what, what, you know, what was the process? What, what? What do they know that got them to be those kind of people that they live free? They live absolutely free. So, you know, we probably look at our lives once in a while and think, wow, there's some places that are not so healthy, not so good. You, if you're a student of the scripture at all, or you've been around church, there's always, you know, it's easy to think of always something that, that ought to be done or, or done better or gotten rid of. You know, Paul talked about this as well in a letter he wrote to an area. city called Ephesus and here's what he said to these people at this church chapter 4 verse 31 get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice and then he gave the, the positive here's the negative get rid of this stop doing this do this verse 32 instead be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you I want you to notice that all of the... um, I remember being, when I was kind of a new follower, that um, you'd read these lists and each thing, you know, seemed to be all these things I had to remember to do, you know. Stop being angry, stop being raging, stop malicing, stop slandering, you know. Just stop, you know, all this. And it got to be um, exerting your own willpower. And it's exhausting. And then, of course, you can't maintain that. So you think, okay, I'm not a good person. Apparently, you know, that person's good. God loves them. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be the kind of person that, that can do this. So you stop. You get discouraged, right? Okay, let me suggest to you, which is the freedom I was half joking about recognizing I'm an idiot. I've stopped trying. Now let me unwrap this. Because I came to the understanding that I can live as if I really do have a Redeemer and a Savior, I don't have to try. I just have to um, be what he's already given me to be. Now, there's a responsibility we have to be in those places where uh, we're maybe positioned or in an environment where God can speak to us and deal with us and, and, and heal us. But they're less, let me stop doing these little things and allow me to experience God's kindness. Kindness. See, it, 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 this is all relational. And I believe it is. I don't know, let me pull back further. How many of you in your families, you probably have that one relative where things are not quite right? Maybe if you're a parent, it's one of your adult children. If you're an adult child or teenager, it's one of your parents. It could be an uncle, or, you know, right? You know, I, I once told a friend of mine, that I, I, I feel towards him like my wife. I go, I love you all the time. I don't like you every day, but I love you all the time. Right? We, we have those moments, right? Let's be honest. Is it just me? Good. It's not just me. <clears throat> What's funny is sometimes we, we, we have these same kind of emotions and things that we sense towards God. I love you, but I don't like you right now. How did you let this happen? Why weren't you there when this happened to me? And so even if we don't articulate it consciously, you know, we're, we're, it's festering. Right? So there's, there's a lack of honesty, transparency, and, quote, the relationship. Every single... I was going to say freaking, so I'll just say, every single freaking relationship is, you know, I used to think, well, communication is overrated, you know, forgiveness is underrated, we should be forgiving more. There is a level of communication that's necessary, but it... it um, There needs to be that honesty where it's, you're not pounding somebody with how they failed you. You know, I'd be, hey, man, listen, when you said that thing, bro, I, I don't know what your intention was, but here's how I, here's how I received it. And it, it stung. And so let's say John says, hey, dude, I'm so sorry. That is not what, what went on. And, then, and you know what? That admitting, that being weak sometimes or feeling naked emotionally in front of somebody um, strengthens the relationship. It doesn't ruin it. Okay, now let's translate that to our God. Um, how many of us have hesitated thinking, talking about the things that we're really embarrassed about? And, or we assume that because we have this dark weirdness that he won't love us. God goodness, he already knows you. I mean, it's not as if, I didn't, well, I didn't know that about you. You know, I mean, it's, a, it's not a surprise to him, but there is something about the verbalization of where we're at in prayer. This is where our Catholic friends, I think, have an edge on us as Protestants. Confession, which is agreement, is a portal to healing. And haven't you noticed whether some of you, maybe you've been in those, I don't know, could be in a setting that's maybe a bit more therapeutic. Haven't you noticed sometimes just admitting something, just saying it, it begins to lose its power and grip on your life? So back to this. I realized that all these little things I was trying to stop doing are just one big, huge part of my weirdness and darkness. And if I was just to practice this kindness that God had given to me towards others, this goes away. It's not one individual act. It's just an expression of me. So, you, you I mean, you, you can't really forgive people unless you've experienced forgiveness yourself. You know, you can, you can say it. Hey, I'm... And by the way, here's what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not a pass. Forgiveness is not dismissing it. Oh, it's, no, it's not a big deal, bro. Honestly, it was okay. We, we, you know, you kinda, we kind of think that's sort of forgiveness, that it isn't. And, and i tell you what sometimes forgiveness is. This is what makes it hard. Forgiveness is sometimes actually reliving the moment of pain in it. Have you noticed sometimes when, you, when something has been hurtful, and, you know, especially if you're a guy, you know, you want to you be that guy, <laughs> I can't believe you made fun of my tap out T-shirt, and it hurt. <laughs> if I was gonna wear affliction. I thought you might like the tap out better, you know. So I mean, so you don't want to like be that guy, you know, or, or be that person, and or you don't want to risk being rewounded. That somebody won't value that moment, and so you hold it back, and you think, oh no, it's okay, it's not that big of a deal. No, it, It's not excusing it. It's not dismissing it. It's like, man, dude, yeah, that really stung. I mean, I, I felt stupid and, or whatever it might be, and completely discounted or disparaged and, um, and then releasing the other person. Now, that doesn't even mean the other person will receive it, will we'll own their part of the, of, the, of the mess, right? But this is what I can guarantee: you. you're free. I think, goodness, how old is my mom now? 77? Yeah, about 77, 78 years old. She was in the hospital last summer with a hip replacement. And someone took a her, of course, and we were talking and chatting. The, the one thing that's really cool about our dynamic now is that, we're, you know, we're both followers of Jesus. And so we're talking at a different language level. You know, we're not just parent and child not only adult-adult, but brother and sister. You know, that's kind of a it was a kind of a cool dynamic. So we were t- chatting about things, and that poor mom. She goes back to a moment. She says, Tabito, uh, that's my childhood name, which none of you can refer to me as. <laughs> so she says, I need to ask you a question. Oh, sure. What is it, mom? Have you forgiven me for what I did to you? So I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this poor old woman's carrying this still, you know. I thought, oh, yeah, it's, and I did, I did what I just told you not to do. Mom, it was okay, it's fine, you were a different person, it's no big deal. She says, no, I, I need to know you've forgiven me. That was probably one of the most bonding moments between her and I. Just to, to maybe articulate, well, when I went to school with bandages, it wasn't always pleasant. And when this happened, but goodness. We've both been forgiven, haven't we? Much? How can I hope hope withhold forgiveness from you? Then I asked her to pray for me. And you guys. And what was amazing about that moment was having this connection of thinking, this is the woman that gave me physical life, and now she's praying for my spiritual health as well. So we've, we receive forgiveness. It's two parts. You, you, you receive it from God, It's not just uh, for you. It's also in the second half, then to give to others. So that you're you're free from this, 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 the major connection relationship, and then you're freer with other people to give out forgiveness. We're healed by God's generosity, which takes us, uh, you know, actually uh, beyond us in that respect. It's not just you and Jesus, not just you and Jesus. It's you and Jesus together for the world. Let me read a psalm to you. It's Psalm 112. It's out of the, a version called The Message. Here's what it says: Hallelujah! Blessed man, blessed woman who fear God, who cherish and relish His commandments. The children, their children will be robust on the earth, and their homes of the upright. How blessed! How fortunate! Their houses will brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. Sunrise breaks through the darkness for good people. God's grace and mercy and justice. The good person is generous, and he lends lavishly. No shuffling, no stumbling around for this one. No, a sterling and solid and lasting reputation, unfazed by rumor or gossip, heart steady, trusting in God, spirit firm, unperturbed. Ever blessed, relaxed among their enemies, they lavish gifts on the poor. A generosity that goes on and on and on, an honored life, a beautiful life, well, someone wicked looks at this and rages, blusters away, and ends up speechless. And there's nothing to the dreams of the wicked. Nothing. Nothing at all. You know, you, um, part of generosity, and, and as we think about Christmas, you know, uh, it, it, you know, it's a gift-giving season, and it's sort of fun, you know, so you have to actually go to a mall, and actually buy something, you know. Uh, but uh, it, it, that's not completely generosity, especially if, you're, if we're looking at relationships as a transaction. I have to give this gift to this person. And I got joked about a couple Sundays ago, you know, don't you hate it during the holidays when you get a gift from a person that you didn't put a gift out for? Like, oh, they gave me something. Let's see, what do I have in the cupboard to regift them with, you know? And... Um, <laughs> That's a transaction. That, I'm telling you, right, that, that relationship is transactional. It's not relational. I, that's okay. I mean, it, you know, I, I've done it years and years ago. I'm better than you. No, but it was, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been that person. <laughs> so stupid. I'm just remembering once I, I got this thing where the person hadn't wrapped it yet, and, so they, and they didn't write anything on it yet. Oh, I got this for you. you know, Here you go. Oh, great. You know, I forget what it was popcorn maker or something. Anyway, the point is, is that, <laughs> oh, good, they didn't write on it. <laughs> it's going over to, you know, I'm thinking of my way home. <laughs> I thought of you when I got this. You cannot give what you don't have, but you can absolutely give what you haven't experienced. You know, maybe you, you haven't fully experienced compassion for somebody, but you can give them compassion, Right? You maybe haven't experienced forgiveness from somebody, but you can give them forgiveness. And, and the person that gives the most is the one that really does have the most. It, it, when we think of you know wealth in the scriptures, when it speaks about it, you know, yes, of course, there's a sense of money is involved and in accumulation of stuff, and I, I and I'm not anti that certainly. But there's a wealth to our spirits and our souls and our character that you can't. No matter how much money you make, you can't buy that. How many of you remember this? You're with your favorite friend, a person, um, your future spouse. Even when you're newly married. My wife and I remember this. You know, you're so broke you can't even pay attention. Remember those days, right? And then you go to, uh, my wife used to work downtown, and I worked in Eagle Rock at the time, so I'd cruise down the two, pick her up on Wilshire and Grand, we'd go over to Olvera Street. We used to call it our 375 dinner. It was tacos, Coke, and I forget what else. You know, it didn't matter. You know why? Because it was a feast. The relationally we were connected and dialed in, so anything was a feast, right? But the times that we've had, you know, uh, experience prosperity or larger homes or this, that, and the other, and we're not dialed in, everything is dust and ashes. The bed is hard. The steak is tasteless. The coffee's no good. You know know what I'm saying? So there's wealth when it speaks of in the scripture is not simply the accumulation of stuff, and that's okay. It's also the wealth that is generated here where you don't feel impoverished. You feel fortunate to be who you are and what you've experienced. And so the person who ends up giving the most has the most because he or she begins to have the attitude and the health of Christ. Now, is it possible? You know, just try this on, you know, just consider it as a possibility. Is it possible that maybe if we think we have nothing to give, it's because we have not fully received from others and Christ himself? Is that possible? Is it possible if you think we have nothing to give that we've disparaged and maybe even hold God in contempt that we think we're not worth being loved when he has sent his son to cross the universe, to care for you and love you, and to demonstrate his love for you. No, I'm not loved. D- how many of you have had that relationship where, you know, you just do. I mean, when you, you, the flowers, open the door, the dinners you pay, the house coming over, or whatever it might be. Not even in maybe a romantic setting, but you just give and you pour out, and the person, I, I don't think you care for me. What The heck else you want me to do here, you know? Little jig? Now, what? What what do you need? (laughs) I I, I, I text to check in with you. I I I call, and you know, I I I I will clear my schedule. Just if you say you need, hey, let's get together. And I recognize that 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 man or woman, and this is not, you know, judgment or reaction. It just is. This is a person that is broken and leaking and cannot retain what's good, because they're not grateful. And so, you know, it's like an emotional, um, spiritual uh, black hole it's just sucking in everything around them, and it, it's never satisfied, never feels safe, never feels secure. Um, the, the, the best thing that could happen to them is just to practice the muscle of gratitude. Love in its uh, purest form is actually loving others. It's not being loved. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks back that you know when, when you when you when you are loved you're you're made stronger, and when you love others you become courageous. Um, but love, I mean, really, and it's pure form is loving somebody else, and and this is why if God is love, it's not because you know He's loved the most, because He loves the most. It's a love that heals, and it's beyond us, and it invites us to focus on. On others rather than 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 ourselves, and on loving rather than being loved, and it's a freedom. You know, come on, let's let's be. Sometimes we don't even like ourselves. Is that fair to say? Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. And you wish like, oh, well, what do I do that and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. For some reason, when we're down that's how we talk. Oh, what do I do that? Yes. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't it be cool to be free sometimes of your own goofy self-talk and nonsense that goes on in your head and just feel healthy and strong and, and, and uh, uh, loved and part of a community and part of something big and recognizing, goodness, if God loves me and has forgiven me, I'm free. And, and now when I look at somebody and, you know, I, I, oh, man, I hope, you don't, hope you're not mad when I say this. Honestly, there's very little you can say that I have not heard <laughs> or that I'm going to have a reaction or judgment to. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. I go, well, that's different. No, I said, uh, uh, great, listen, uh, if you, if you if maybe you knew my story, you wouldn't even look coming on Sunday mornings. Uh, but here's what I, I know. God loves me and forgives me. And so, uh, hey, you can join on that gravy train, you know, get on that boat. And the more that we give, the more that we're able to give, it's just a, an exercise in, in, uh, of our character. It's just uh, muscling up, that part of our lives, that's not often used. It's not, well, it, it's not our default as human beings. Our, our default mode as human beings is self-preservation. One last, uh, I'm going to read another passage to you. It's from Luke chapter 17, also from the message. Luke 17, verse 19. It goes on to say, well, it happened that as he made his way, as Jesus made his way towards Jerusalem, he crossed over the border between Samaria and Galilee, now, if some of you have been students of the scripture for a while. You've, you've heard of the, the racial tension between Samaritans, which were half Jews, and the Galileans, which were, you know, quote, all Jews. And so there was, I don't know, just think of a part of town that, you know, is a deal, right? Bloods and Crips or, I don't know. And Mexican Mafia. So, I mean, I mean there's that kind of tension or weirdness. Even uh, parts of Whittier, right? People know, okay, I don't go there. I don't belong there. So, uh, as he made his way towards Jerusalem, so he's traveling south, which he could go a different route, by the way. He crosses uh, into Samaria. As he entered a village, ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance but raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, this uh, part of my input, wanting to learn stuff, when you picture lepers, I don't know what you picture so I decided to Google this because I met a man who was that guy, a leper, in, when it was in India and actually seeing it then right in front of you. Um, you know, it, 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 by the way, it's, uh, it's a nerve damage, as I understand it correctly. Maybe someone will correct me later, not publicly, um, where um, <laughs> you'd be shunned from this church where uh, you begin to lo- lose nerve damage issues and so you don't experience pain and things get damaged, they fall off. And so it's a, almost like a melting away. It was just uh, strange. And so... You know, incurable at that particular time. So people would, uh, you know, they'd be shunned and ostracized. And and, um, uh, so they see the rabbi walking, this guy that might be a hope. They're Samaritans, so they're not even part of, you know, what some of the Jewish people thought at that time. They're not about us. They're not like us. Surely the rabbi wouldn't care for these people, you know. He's a good person. He wouldn't care for these people. And... um, Boy, I, I, I don't know if you can hear the desperation in their voices. Have mercy on us. You know? They, they can't be with family. They can't go to their communities. They can't see anybody. They can't be embraced. They can't embrace. I mean, there's just, you know, it's, it's uh, worse than solitary confinement. It's like being able to see that you can reach and touch other people, but never being able to touch them. Like, now, the metaphor for us spiritually is not that hard to reach to, is it? So taking a good look at them, Jesus said, Well, go show yourselves to the priests. They went, and while still on their way, they became clean. So now, I'm, I, I love the parts of the story that are not mentioned in the scripture. Like, what did that feel like? Did, you know, was there tingling? Did the skin go from that brown, leathery, and sometimes it's grayish green, to baby-like flesh? Was it adult flesh? Did the bones just start popping out again? Did, you know, what was that like? Did their skin, you know, uh, you know what I mean? What was that like? Did they feel it? Or was it, as they were walking, they go, oh, the guy that had the, the, uh, the limp gait or the one that was short on an arm, and what was that like? And I'm thinking of the excitement and the, oh, my gosh, so grateful, wouldn't you be? This is amazing. And by the way, the priest would be like the position, civil authority, the CDC, that would allow you back into community, okay? So one of them, when he realized that he was healed turned around and came back shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. And he kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough. And he was a Samaritan. Now, I like that phraseology. When he realized he'd been healed, I mean, the other nine were not sure? But there was a, maybe a, a different level of appreciation or realization, quote, I've been healed, right? So Jesus said, goodness, um, we're not 10 healed? where are the other nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? So then he said to him, I mean, get up. I love this, right? Come on, get up. You know, on your way. Your faith has healed you and saved you. Um, a couple things I take away from that. Number one, that God's goodness and kindness towards humanity is not contingent on their Gratitude. I'm pretty sure Hitler enjoyed steak. You know, he enjoyed friends, whatever friends he had, I guess, right? And uh, I think we withhold sometimes or maybe are fearful or weirded out by certain people because, you know, they're not dialed in like we are. Really? Like, Like you were from birth or something, you know? None of us were. Come on. And so God's commands, advice, life coaching lessons, suggestions, however you want to term his teaching, to us about others is not contingent on their response to us. It's not time designated. Like, oh, when you're feeling better, hey, when you warm up to that person, when they admit that they were wrong, no, it's just go do this. The other thing I recognize is that uh, he says what we've been talking about uh, your faith and belief has healed you. This, this, this. It's the gratitude he's speaking of. You know, we're all rescued by God's grace, where many of us have been healed by God's generosity, and and some of us have actually been made whole by that as well. And this holiday season, as we're looking to live beyond us, you know, beyond even our community, but beyond everybody, you know, in in Whittier, where Pico, La Habra, wherever you've driven from, you know, Montebello, that... That the beyond this thing is not my church friends and my follower friends, but it's people everywhere at all times. What acts of kindness, what displays of generosity can we show folks? That is the proof, and that is the evidence that you've experienced God's kindness and generosity in your life. Now, okay, here's the other option. If you haven't, if you're not able to do that, again, no reaction or judgment. You know? I told you earlier I'm an idiot. You probably are one too. So since we have a Redeemer and a Savior, let's just go back to the Redeemer and Savior and say, hey, man, you know, I'm kind of a menso here. And I, I, I need to experience and understand what I should be grateful for so that I can be generous towards others. Hey, let me, let me pray and dismiss you guys. Father, there are so many stories in this room of people who have experienced you and, and appreciate what you've done and others who have experienced you and don't know it was you. Uh, maybe some who are, feel uh, disappointed that you weren't there for them as they thought you ought to have been. Um, and everything in between. What I pray is that you help us picture and understand and, and get a clear view of who Christ is. His kindness... His generosity towards us to, to help pull us through the pain of transformation, to pull us through the pain of forgiving others, to pull us through the, the pain of reconnecting with friends and family members that we have disconnected from for various reasons. Maybe some of them legitimate, maybe some of them not. I pray that we have a clear view of Jesus to experience our forgiveness, to become grateful and then to become generous people representing you well to our community immediately here and the communities that we live in at all times. I pray, Father, for myself and my friends that Christmas is not just when it's cool and rainy and there's decorations and colored lights and all of that stuff, but but, help us to remember this incredible gift of your Son, Christ, to us to make us human beings year-round for your sake, to expand the influence of Jesus in our lives and in this world. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.